Are you tired of this reality? Us too. How about once a week you take a break and visit a different reality? In Jack Billings Presents Haunted Apartment Complex, we bring you a comedy podcast full of ghosts, werewolves, gentle vampires, and Frankenstein monstrosities made of 72 people stitched together. And somehow, that's not even the strange stuff. A proud member of the Pot Moth Network. Every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings, dear listeners. This is Tilsa Mullally, creator of the Lost Signal Podcast. As of today, the Lost Signal Podcast is now on Patreon. If you are able, we would love for you to support us for as little as one cup of coffee a month. Thank you. Now, enjoy tonight's episode of The Lost Signal. Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Turn your dial to the edge of the radio static. There you will find the lost signal. Tonight, dear listeners, we bring you a tale of guardians of the natural plains. A story titled, Amongst the Trees. Written and starring Tilson Mullally. December 5th, 1882. I've made it to the town of Mullen just as winter has come in full force to the Idaho Territory, dear diary. The snow falls in clumps rather than flakes, drifting several feet high and insulating the entire land in a soundless scape of white. It is beautiful, but eerie. Most of the people that inhabit the surrounding area tend to keep home during weather like this. Of course, with the fate of the Donner Party nearly 40 years ago, no one can hardly blame them for being hesitant to travel in the winter. There are exceptions to that rule, however. The grizzled mountain men and leathery outsiders who are abrasive by even territory standards, simply put, appear to be a different breed from most. They brave the blizzards for nothing more than a drink at the local saloon. Of course, you may be asking, Emily, if such interesting persons are abound in the saloon, why not see what you can gather from them? Well, I hope you will believe me when I say that I've tried. Men such as these, however, they're not ones for conversation. But you may be pleased to hear one in particular finally broke for me. A rather greasy-looking fellow titled Joe the Tracker. Last name unavailable. I plied him with booze long into the evening last night, certain he had something for the lost times. 
When he did start to sing, he did so adroitly, and what he had to say was perfect for the folks back home. In my years, I've been asked to find a lot of things. Joe the Tracker is not just an uninspired nickname, you know? Got a better nose than a bloodhound and a pistol skills to tango with even the quickest degenerate farm boy who fancies himself an outlaw. So when the Cavett brothers robbed the Guidel General Store... leaving the entire Guidel family dead on the floor. It wasn't long before the sheriff was knocking on my cabin door. In three days, I'd tracked the cabots down to a thick mess of unfamiliar forest at the edge of the county line. It was a gray, dismal winter day, the mountains invisible in the haze of frost that danced in the air. Along the tree line, I spotted a solitary cabin, thickened with snow. A thin tendril of smoke curled from the crooked chimney, and I rode toward it. As I came closer, I could see a dead horse, laying in the yard. It was quickly becoming enveloped by the flakes. As I came closer, I could see a dead horse laying in the yard and quickly becoming enveloped in the flakes. Before I'd dismounted, the door of the cabin was kicked open, and a little man with a black eye and a droop mustache appeared, waving a shotgun in the air. Get out of here! Get away, thief, or I'll shoot! Whoa! Hold up for just a second. I'm only riding through. Then ride through! Be gone from my home! It's a nice shiner you've got. Did two men give you that? What's it to you, hmm? I'm looking for them. They robbed the general store in Hoodoo. Left a family of three dead. Two men came here night before last. Beat and robbed me took my horse after shooting one of their own hobbled beasts and leaving it in my yard. Which way did they go? The forest. That way. Much obliged. I'll get out of your hair now. <coughs> Wait! Hold on. It is nearly dark. Please, forgive my initial response. Come, have dinner. Stay here tonight. Your prey will not be going anywhere. The sun was setting, and the snow had only gotten thicker, so I took the offer of shelter for the night. My host's name was Mihai. He came from Eastern Europe, and though his initial prickly disposition may fool you, he was a warm and friendly type of man. He served me a dish from his home, a simple, hearty stew of roots and meat that kept the bite of the cold at bay. So, you are bounty hunter? No. I'm a tracker. Occasionally, I'll track a man if the price is right. Ah, and the price for two. I imagine that is a fairly high number. This one is a favor. The family that owned the store, the Guidels, they were good people. I'll gladly bring those Cavett boys to the gallows. Ah, a noble effort. Understandable, but... But what, Mihai? Forgive my saying this, Joe. But I recommend that in the morning you turn back for town. <laughs> Why? 
The woods behind my home, they are treacherous. More so in the winter. I think I can handle myself, Mihai. I can't let these boys get away. If I'm correct, I believe they will not leave the forest again. I wouldn't be so sure. Wiley and Mike are experienced woodsmen. Bears and big cats ain't nothing much to them. There are more than bears and big cats amongst the trees, Joe. Well, if whatever else is in there takes care of them, that makes my job easier. Dead or alive, though, those boys are coming back with me. I understand. I will see you off in the morning, then. The next morning, Mihai gifted me with some extra food and water. As I slipped the pack onto my horse, I saw him approaching the forest edge. Suddenly, there was a knife in his hand, and before I could stop him, he'd slid the blade across his palm, smearing the blood against the trunk of the nearest tree. What the hell are you doing? As I said, Jill, there are other things in these woods besides bears and big cats. It's an offering to them for your safe travel. Thanks? <laughs> you do not believe, and that is fine. I would not expect you to put stock in old legends. However, I must say this. You have twelve hours, after which, cavits or not, you must leave these trees. Do you understand me? Sure. Twelve hours. Good. Safe travels, my friend. I wanted to laugh, but the haunted look in his eyes killed it in my throat. My promise seemed to reassure him, though. I rode through those dark trees, guiding my horse carefully through the thickets and fresh snow. Gradually, as I rode, I realized how still my surroundings were. In most places, even in the deepest part of winter, some signs of animals still prevailed. But here... I was engulfed by the loudest silence I'd ever heard, broken only by the footfalls of my horse. It was eerie. I rode until midday, occasionally catching the trail of the cavits, broken branch here, faint prints there, and I followed as fast as I could without breaking my horse's leg. It was a drudge, and by noon I had hardly covered three miles. Finally, I came across a small clearing and decided to stop for a quick lunch and rest. I was fixing a fire when... Hello? Hello, who's there? I scanned the tree line, straining my ears for the tiniest footstep or twig crack. Though there was nothing, the feeling of being watched wouldn't leave and my horse refused to settle kicking and tittering. I tried to return to my fire, but the hair on my neck was standing on end until finally... <coughs> the scream sent my horse into a panic, and before I could react, she'd broken free of her tie and was bolting for the trees the way I'd come. 
After three steps through the shin-high snow, I stopped chasing her. Cabots! That you, boys? Wiley? Micah? Come on out now! Pistol in hand, I trudged toward the tree line where I'd roughly heard the scream from. As I came closer, I became aware of something on the stiff, cold air. Something rotten. I entered the shaded tree line, following the scent. The canopy was so thick that the weak December sun did not touch the forest floor, leaving the pines a dark, gnarled maze. I told myself that it was probably a bear kill or something like that, but... I'd never been a good liar, even to myself. My heart was pumping as the scent grew stronger. Gradually, the snow turned from pure white to crimson along the path I walked as though something had been dragged through. It steamed in the cold, still fresh and hot, and it ended suddenly at the base of a tree. It coated the bark and went up. My skin was alive with goose flesh by this point, and I wanted very badly to leave. But I couldn't, not without my quarry. When I finally forced myself to look up, I stood there a long time. My heart felt as though it were about to stampede out of my chest and I found that my neck was rusted, unwilling and unable to take my eyes away from the sight above me. What was left of Micah Adams was spread liberally amongst the tree branches. My brain begged my feet to move, but they paid no heed. As Micah's single remaining eye dribbled from its socket, staring at me helplessly, Something hard cracked me in the back of the skull, and I was out like a light. Hey, bounty hunter. Wake up, huh? Oh, my head. Oh, forget about your head. Where's your horse? Uh, she... She ran off. God damn it! Fire's only gonna hold him off for so long. Gotta get out of here. My hands tied. How long? How long have I been out? Of course your hands are tied. Got the drop on you while you took in what they done to my brother. They? Them? Whatever's out here with us? Just beyond the tree line. Thought they were. Savages, maybe, but even an engine isn't capable of tearing up a man like that. Fire keeps him at bay for a while, but we gotta get out of here. What are you... You hear that? They're close by. I, I can hear them. We've gotta go. Come on. I thought you said the fire keeps him at bay. Get, not forever. I'll make a torch for us. Take you for bait if we get in a tight spot. Yeah. That's what I'll do. Get up. Get on your feet. Come on. Get to stepping, bounty hunter. Why don't you untie me? Two guns is better than one. Why? So you can hog tie me and take me back to town? Or worse, leave me out here? I don't think so. You feel that cold barrel on your spine, bounty hunter? If you don't want a bullet through you, I suggest you march. So I marched, 
fighting a swimming head that still throbbed from where that damn cabot clunked me. We traveled in a tight bubble of weak, flickering light from his makeshift torch. I wasn't sure how much time had passed since I'd been knocked out. The night was on strong and thick around us. Mihai had told me I had twelve safe hours among the trees. Was that time up yet? Who could be sure? What I was sure of as we walked was that multiple somethings were watching us from just beyond the pale sputter of our light, nestled in the shadows just out of view. You see? They can't touch us in the light. We'll be out of here lickety-split. Yeah? What are you going to do after that? <laughs> I'll take care of you, then get as far from this county as possible, bounty hunter. Now keep marching. Hey, what are you doing? I said keep moving. I'd stopped in my tracks, letting the surviving Cabot stumble a few steps closer to me before sinking an elbow into his stomach. I heard the gun drop into the snow with a crunch and turned to face my captor who was keeled over on one knee, clutching his stomach with one hand and the torch in the other. With a swift kick, I sent the torch flying into the trees, where it hissed dead once it fell into the snow, plunging both of us into the darkness. Now you've gone and done it! Oh God! Wily Cavett took off into the shadows, but I hardly noticed as I took off myself, hands still bound. I heard Wiley scream somewhere behind me, but I didn't dare look back. I could feel something at my heels, feel hot, rancid breath on the back of my neck. I ran and ran, hoping for a break in the trees, the wind whipping my face and making me squint until I was nearly blind. I never saw the tree until... I ran straight into it. And once more, the world became total inky blackness. Get, get, get away! Go! Get! Huh? Huh? Be still, my friend. You are safe. Mihai! Where am I? Back at my cabin. I found you at the edge of the woods. My horse! She showed up last night, frightened, but otherwise fine. She is tied up outside. There was something behind me. Yes, the Strigoi can be quite protective of their home, and you overstayed your welcome. Strigoi? Yes, spirits of the forest. I told you, 12 hours. Wiley Cavett got the drop on me, knocked me out. Hmm. I suppose they may have taken that into account, considering they deposited you outside of the trees instead of keeping you. You're a lucky man, Joe the Tracker. Lucky indeed. As drunk as Joe seemed to be, his tone became sober as he recalled his near-death experience. After he finished, he didn't want to talk anymore, and he disappeared into the frigid night. 
Thankfully, my room was upstairs, and I needn't have followed him out into the mess, something I was none too eager to do after his tale of spirits of the forest. In a land where the woods rain, I'd rather not find myself amongst the trees late at night. Emily Elaine Simple, 1882 Returning now to the edges of your radio static, this has been The Lost Signal. Thank you for tuning in tonight, dear listeners. Please, wherever you're listening, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or any other platform, please leave us a review and do not be afraid to share the static with your friends. Until next time, dear listeners, good night.